You're listening to Deep Dives with Sharks, a shark podcast focused on shark species, shark safety both for you and the sharks, and news from the past couple weeks. Sit back, relax, it's time to take a dive. Hello and welcome back to Deep Dives with Sharks. I am Alex once again and ran a poll this past week just to see if you guys had any input on what shark you would want to hear about next. And it did come down to a couple sharks, so I was actually supposed to do this this past Sunday, and then uh, a lot of things happened, so I'm a little bit late with this one. So thank you for hanging in there, but uh, we eventually did get this one out. So this week we are going to be actually talking about the hammerhead shark, because I did run the poll about the hammerhead, the tiger shark, and I believe I put the thresher out there, and there was one other, but I can't remember which one that was off the top of my head. But... I did want to real quick say that uh, you also can follow me on Instagram at Deep Dives with Sharks, so that way you can ask any questions, have any suggestions, and I actually did get my first suggestion, and I will be doing that shark next week. But you guys are more than welcome to send any questions, any recommendations, any requests, anything like that there, uh, or if you just have a funny shark joke or something like that, I'm also down to hear those. Always glad for a good shark joke or pun. Uh, also, if you want me to share anything on the podcast as well, very happy to give you a shout out with that as well. Just let me know if you either want it to be anonymous or not, and we will go from there. But to start off with the hammerhead shark, it is clearly going to get its name because of the shape of its head. Otherwise, it really wouldn't make a lot of sense. But sharks are, first of all and foremost, going to be cartilaginous fish. So they're made of mostly cartilage, and the only bones in their body are going to be their jaws. So... With this, the species is going to range from under 3 feet to over 19 feet long because as I mentioned earlier in the first episode, I believe that it that sharks like hammerheads are going to have many species involved in that family. So it's not just one species known as the hammerhead. So there's nine total species that are the scalloped hammerhead, the scalloped bonnethead, the bonnethead, scoophead, Carolina hammerhead, smooth hammerhead, small eye hammerhead, great hammerhead, and also sometimes included is the winghead shark, although in some cases, depending on the source you find, it will also list this as a different species on its own. But with that, the smallest one's going to be the bonnet head, which goes about three feet, and then the great hammerhead can get over 19 feet long. Now because of this as well, they also have a massive weight range, so they can go anywhere from just under six pounds to over 1300 pounds. So it really depends on that species of shark. But they're often found uh, all over the world, but different species are gonna be found in different areas. So the great hammerheads, for example, are going to be found mostly around the southern tip of Florida and a couple other places, but also especially in Key West. Uh, Usually when you're watching Shark Week specials, they're usually around the bridges around Key West because that's where great hammerheads like to hunt, as that is where most of their food source will be. But all the populations listed above are currently in a decreasing trend, unfortunately. The one that they don't actually have enough data to make that statement about is the Carolina hammerhead, uh, just because it is a more recent species and they haven't found a lot of information on it quite yet, so they're not quite sure if they can depict whether it's in an upward or downward trend. But the diet of most of these hammerheads is going to be fish, of course. They'll also eat squid, octopus, and other crustaceans. And one of their favorite food sources that has been documented is stingray. 
Now, one of the ways that they will hunt is that they will use their head to hunt and, uh, well, use the sensors in their head to mimic where the, or find out where the pulse is coming from, and then they will pin it to the floor, uh, kind of slam it down in a sense, with the front of their head, which can cause it to be stunned and shocked, and once it's there, they will eat it at that point. Now, there are some larger species of the shark, like the great hammerhead, that will participate in cannibalism as well. There are many documented times where the great hammerhead has even eaten its own pups after it has given birth, uh, depending on how, I guess, available their natural food source is. So in some cases, they'll eat smaller sharks, uh, even the same species, and in many cases, even their own young. Now, light side of this, though, is that the bonnet head uh, which is the smallest species, is also known as an omnivorous shark. So it will eat both meat and, uh, I almost said vegetables, but they'll also eat leaves and plants and things like that. It's, maybe we could throw a carrot at it and see what happens. We'll figure that out. But uh, with this, they're also have been known to eat seagrass sometimes. And in a couple cases, uh, they've dissected a bonnet head and found seagrass in its stomach. So only species of shark that would actually eat both uh, plants and also other animals. But for the hammerhead shark, their mating is only going to occur once a year. And in that time, they will usually only give birth to 12 to 15 pups, depending on the species. But also, when you get the larger sharks like the great hammerhead, they're going to give birth up to 20 to 40. Now, a cool thing about this is that they have that really large rate because of the mortality rate as well. As I mentioned, they do tend to eat their own young, so they need to have a kind of fail-safe in place so that way they don't eat everything up immediately. Because if they eat all their young and they only give birth to six pups, then there's no reproduction going on or anything like that, so they really can't evolutionarily survive. So in that way, they have more pups, so that way they don't have to worry about that. But the, with the hammerheads, one thing to also note is the way that their eyes are set, they have a full 360 view because their eyes are on the side of their head. So they can, of course, see in front of them, behind them, above and below them. So they can see all around themselves, which makes it very hard to sneak up on a hammerhead shark and also very easy for them to find prey. But <clears throat> there was a case of the bonnethead shark that had a sexual reproduction where the female was able to give birth without a male being present. And one thing I've kind of noticed now, of course, this is only the third episode of the podcast at this point, but I did notice that th there's kind of a reoccurring theme where somehow sharks keep giving birth without a male being present. So I'm kind of curious to see if that trend will continue as we move into other species, or if this is just because I've been kind of covering more known species at this point, but something to keep looking into, I guess. Um, now, with this, these sharks typically don't have a lot of human interaction. They're typically going to be found far out in the ocean. Uh, they like to be out in the open ocean and around uh, kind of shallower waters at some point too. So they'll move kind of around depending on the species. But for the most part, they don't really come too close into the, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, they don't come too close into the shore. And they also usually don't bite people all that often. There are cases where they have. Uh, there's only 17 cases of unprovoked bites, uh, and hammerheads go way back with their uh, involvement with humans. So 
the fact that there's only 17 unprovoked is actually a really low number, uh, which means that a lot of other bites are caused because someone was bothering them, trying to pet them, anything like that, and they reacted. But the, oh, the really interesting thing that I found out about hammerheads is that there actually have never been any known fatalities caused because of a bite from a hammerhead on a human. So there's never been any times, now of course you hear all the time, you think of shark attacks, which also another thing I'm trying to help to change as they are trying to do, a lot of experts are trying to change in the shark community, is of course the term shark attack, as attacks are have malintent behind them, and sharks are really curious and don't have hands. So just trying to make sure that we change that. So there's no really any bites, you think of these shark bites, anything like that. One of the sharks that people usually think of besides the great white, because of course first thing they always think of is a great white, is going to be the hammerhead, but the hammerhead's actually never had a known fatality. So there's been bites, but it, no one's ever actually died from this. I think, now this one I wasn't able to find if it was actually uh, true or not, but one of the reasons I think that might be is because compared to the mouths of other sharks, hammerheads actually have a rather small mouth in comparison. Um, as it sits underneath of that massive hammer on top of their head. So uh, it's really hard to say, to describe anything about the hammerhead without saying both hammer and head. It, it, it's just inevitable. But with this, it sits on the bottom rather than being on the front of their face. So it makes it a little bit harder for them to open their jaws quite as wide and have quite as large of an area to bite. So that could also be why they don't really get quite as much, uh, I guess, of a grip or of a big bite on a person. But another really neat thing I did learn about uh, hammerhead sharks that I did not cur like previously know was that uh, sharks, first of all, are almost worshipped in Hawaiian culture. Uh, I did learn about that a little bit this past Shark Week when they did have uh, The Rock being the host and being from Hawaii, so that was kind of neat. But they're considered gods of the sea, and some sharks are known as man-eaters, like the... Uh, I believe it was the bull shark, the tiger shark, and great white were the three that they mentioned. But of the large sharks, hammerheads are not considered to be a man-eater. They're actually a very respected shark in this culture. They also believe that the hammerhead will watch over them and protect them as one of their gods of the sea. Um, but I thought that was really neat. Uh, they, are, of course, have a lot of sharks that they do worship and, of course, do... Um, like look up to and everything like that. So I think that was really, really awesome. I wouldn't be surprised if we look at some of these other larger species as well, if that fact kind of comes back into play. Now, another thing to mention is, of course, their interaction in captivity. Uh, so bonnet heads are going to be the ones that are most commonly seen in captivity. They kind of have a shovel-like head on top of their body uh, rather than having that nice flat uh, rim. Another difference to point out, again, about the wing shark as well, is that their head kind of makes more of a V, uh, kind of like slight V, slight curve there, rather than having that straight flat head as well. So it goes a little bit and they look essentially like a longer, narrower hammerhead. It's really neat to look at, but uh, the bonnet head is going to be the most common in captivity because they are among the smallest species. Uh, so they're going to be in a lot of aquariums. Um, I know that last time I was at the Florida Aquarium, I did get to see a bonnet head there. Um, and I do believe, I am not 100% certain of this, I couldn't find any information on it, but just going to the Baltimore Aquarium when I was younger, I feel like I saw one of these sharks in the aquarium at that point, but I have no proof to bring that up, so I could be lying. But <laughs> with this as well, there's only a handful that actually have great hammerheads, so they're very hard to keep. 
Um, I know that there's a, also a handful of scalloped hammerheads uh, in captivity as well. Uh, the one that I know for a fact, I also was struggling to find where they would keep all of these hammerheads, uh, the different species, but I know that uh, the aquarium that is inside Epcot in Disney World in Orlando does also have a scalloped hammerhead, uh, which is kind of neat in that regard too. But when you see uh, the aquariums that you can go to to find the great hammerheads are going to be the Bahamas, New Jersey, Atlanta, Florida, and Las Vegas. Now, it's not the Florida Aquarium, to clarify. There, I didn't want to put the exact ones in there. Um, there are a couple that you can get in there. I know that in Atlanta, they have the, um, <clears throat> excuse me. So the Adventure Aquarium in New Jersey and the Georgia Aquarium in Atlanta, they're going to be two that have them. Uh, and actually, I had a friend that worked at the Adventure Aquarium in New Jersey, and they already, uh, Atlanta usually has the aquarium that ranks one of the highest in a lot of travel blogs and everything like that. But one of the big pools to go to the Adventure Aquarium initially was that they had the Great Hammerhead. And the fact that Atlanta got one uh, was really neat at first, but then they realized that that pulled away from them as well. But the neat thing is that I've heard they've been able to work together on their research and everything, and it's actually been really beneficial for the species, which made me really happy to hear too. But one thing to mention as well is that usually when you see these sharks in captivity, they usually are going to be swimming at almost a 45 degree angle. So what you'll see is their dorsal fin, instead of being straight up and down, kind of tilts to the side a little bit. Now this is because when hammerheads are hunting, they're in that upright position, they're looking for food, they're trying to make sure they can be quick and agile, but when they're tilted to the side, they're kind of just relaxing. It's kind of like they don't have to worry about it too much, they're just kind of resting, doing their thing, just having a nice little swim. So they're not really going to have to worry about having to be quick and agile at that point, especially when they're in captivity, because nothing's going to hunt them. So they just have to kind of hang out and just be there. But another issue that comes up with the hammerhead is, of course, the fact that they are often hunted for their fins as well as the meat, and they're also caught as bycatch as well. So a lot of times hammerheads are also seen as a very vicious type of shark or a very dangerous type of shark, but... They're really not, um, as I mentioned, they don't have any fatalities, so they aren't really that vicious or anything, so people will kill them out of fear, but there really is no reason to fear a great hammerhead or any hammerhead. They're, once again, just curious and don't have uh, hands, so it's kind of hard. But one thing to mention as well, that hammerheads typically do have teeth that tend to come out of their mouth a little bit. So I think that might also be how they kind of interact with people in a sense because they might get a little too close and then someone gets brushed by it, it cuts them and everything like that. So it could be things like that, uh, but I'm not exactly sure of that. I couldn't really find anything to back that up either. This is just a lot of speculation on this species as well. But that is what I had for the hammerhead. I feel like this is a species that I kind of want to dissect a little bit further. So I might eventually loop back around and take a maybe an episode or go a little bit more in depth with each of these species because of course with this as I was doing research it just kept piling up and more and more and I figured that I wanted to try to keep this episode between a half an hour 45 minutes to an hour somewhere in there and I figured if I went in depth with each and every single <laughs> species that I could with this one then I would eventually be up to I could have probably been on an hour and a half kick here which would be kind of fun but at the same time i would like to try to limit it so for now we're going to go with this um and then we'll see what we can do from there in the future but of course if you have any recommendations or any questions any follow-up anything like that the best way to get those answered is to go to deep dives with sharks on instagram uh give it a follow uh send a message say hey anything like that 
and feel free to ask anything like that and we'll see what I can respond with or we'll also answer it on the podcast. But for the shark safety part of this week, I decided that I was going to talk about how to safely catch and release a shark. Now, of course, one of the things that happens when you're fishing in the ocean or in any bay, especially in the Chesapeake Bay, sometimes you're going to hook a shark. Um, Now, if you're aiming to hook a shark, there's a lot of things you can do to prepare that. But of course, if you accidentally do, there's also things that can be done to help. So for starters, you need to make sure you look into your local fishing practices and laws to ensure that it's going to be A, legal, and B, it's not going to be in a protected area. So for example, Hawaii, as I mentioned earlier, they worship sharks as a part of their culture, uh, or I don't know if worship's the right word, but they highly respect them. So one thing to mention is that they have completely banned shark fishing. So in Hawaii, if you catch a shark at all, you have to cut the line, let it go. Uh, You cannot catch it or anything like that. You're going to get a hefty fine and possibly even worse. So, of course, in certain areas, it is illegal to bait or do anything to try to catch sharks. So, making sure you're not doing anything that will, in fact, cause that to happen. But uh, the site that I also use, forgot to mention for this, I use Adventure.com. They were talking about how to catch sharks uh, for different ways. So, I did want to mention I use that one for most of the research on this. But... You want to use a tougher metal or nylon coated line uh, because of course when you're using regular uh, line it tends to be, you can usually snap it on your own sometimes with just a knife and shark teeth are going to bite right through that and that can also cause harm to the shark. Uh, One of the easiest ways to fish for a shark if you're trying to make sure you can catch and release what a lot of times what you'll see them do, especially on shark week once again, is using a circle hook because this makes sure that even if the shark swallows it, it's not going to get caught on anything inside. Uh, So if they just fully take the bait, they're going to be okay because what will happen is the hook will then get on the side of their mouth. So that way it'll only hook them by that way. So you won't have to worry about trying to dig inside a shark to get your hook back, especially with those J hooks you normally see. It's going to make sure that it doesn't impale them in any way like that, but instead will only catch them on the side and then make sure that you can easily remove it later. Using that circle hook is going to be safer for the shark and also safer for you because it's going to ensure that you don't stick your hand inside the shark's mouth because as I've stated in the last episode, if a shark does happen to end up on your boat or anything like that, make sure you're not ending up in front of it. You don't want to be trying to interact with a shark's mouth not a great idea. That's why whenever you see them removing hooks from a shark's mouth in diving videos, they're always wearing that chainmail suit. Makes it a little bit safer for them, so anything like that is going to be the best case. But if it's, of course, you're catching it to tag it, do research, or you're just doing it for fun too, which I don't think I'd want to, but I also understand. I think it'd be kind of cool to catch one, but at the same time, I don't know if that'd be a conflicting argument for me so but with this one of course if you're going to make sure that you've looked up and done your research you can use those circle hooks and that you also looked versus uh, looked at the different ways you have to do it off of a pier versus uh, doing it from the beach or in the surf versus on a boat because it's going to be incredibly different no matter what so simply doing it all based off of oh well I've seen them do this on a boat on shark week it's not going to work the exact same because if you're on a pier you're not going to be able to hoist the, like, I don't know if your rig's going to be able to hoist up a shark that might be over a thousand pounds. That's incredibly heavy. So you're going to need a lot of help. You're going to have to figure out what you have to do, and hopefully it will be able to remove that hook without having to just cut the line and leave a shark with a hook in its mouth and 30 feet of line. So trying to figure all that out, how to be the safest way there. 
but also when trying to make sure that you are handling the shark, so if you are doing any research, anything like that, or part of a tagging crew, making sure that you once again are staying away from its mouth, or if there is anything going on, you're flipping it over for tonic immobility, which for those of you that do not know, when you flip a shark over, uh, it, it sends its sensors into a frenzy, so all the sensors on the front of it suddenly cannot connect to like the Earth's poles and everything like that, so everything gets flipped around, which essentially just shuts them off. Uh, so pretty much when you flip them over, they kind of just go unconscious in a sense. So they will not be able to do anything, and then as soon as you flip them back over, everything realigns, and they just kind of shake back awake and go do their thing. But if they're doing tonic immobility so that way they can take blood or do anything like that, making sure that you once again are not holding it by the mouth because if something happens and it tilts enough to the side, sometimes that can cause it to wake back up and now you're losing a hand. So making sure that anything like that, you're being aware at all times and staying away from its mouth as much as possible. But also it's commonly used to tag and seen in many different areas. So being sure that you follow it with that and that when you're doing this, it's going to be something that you can do safely. I definitely recommend doing it with a, an eco-friendly agency um, or fishing charter, anything like that. So that way you're not just going off on your own trying to do this because this, of course, could be a very dangerous endeavor. Um, I know that I think it was the largest fish ever caught in Ocean City was actually a mako. Uh, but the problem was they couldn't count it because people were afraid of it. Uh, makos tend to be very... Uh, high energy and also have, uh, I guess, a bad rap of being an aggressive shark. So in order to get it on the boat, they shot it, and because they shot it, that disqualified it. So the current largest fish caught in Ocean City, Maryland, is a tiger shark. Um, I mean, still cool, but also a bullet disqualifies you. Anyway, but that is just my little baffledness of it, but making sure that you're not just going out on your own because both these were well over 15 feet long. So that by yourself, I mean, that sounds pretty neat, but when you're not experienced, it, it's going to be a lot to have to deal with. Now, I myself also am not experienced, so I've never caught anything remotely close to that, but still, it's going to be something that's absolutely wild, and you need to make sure you're not going at this alone or with people who are also inexperienced, or that can lead to incredibly unsafe situations. But I do also want to go into the shark news that I found for this week. Now, of course, any shark safety as well, anything, any questions that you have in that regard, please also send them in, and I'll try to cover it on this podcast as well. But, first of all, I would like to talk about the shark news. Now, as you guys may know, the first story that I have is going to come from Hurricane Ian, which was down, uh, just hit Florida, right around Punta Gorda and Fort Myers, a very high Category 4, almost Category 5 hurricane, and absolutely brought a lot of flooding uh, and everything to that area but every hurricane uh, especially after Sandy and everything like that uh, there's always a story of a street shark so a shark that has followed the floodwaters and ended up in the streets uh, or in someone's backyard or anything like that and nine times out of ten they're always able to debunk this immediately and they just kind of show us that it's it's fake uh, experts can usually pick right through that excuse me and make sure that it gives you more of, I'm trying to figure out the right word for it, but they usually pick that out and just kind of debunk that it's not real, it's been edited, and it's usually very grainy uh, footage, so it's really hard to decipher anyway. So this one, uh, someone took a video, uh, I'm 
guessing they had a very new smartphone because this is a pretty clear video where it looks like you see what appears to be a small shark hunting in the streets of Florida, uh, which is absolutely wild. Um, but the major issue right now is that experts aren't really able to tell if it actually is a shark or not. Now, looking at the video myself, it looks a lot like it could be either a very juvenile nurse shark or a very juvenile sand tiger, but I'm not even positive if that sand tiger shark would be down there, but they are pretty common found or commonly found around the world. So it is very possible that it could be them, but I'm not entirely positive. Of course, I myself am not a shark expert once again, so take my opinion on anything that I say. I have not found research on it, and this is my opinion. Take that very lightly, because it could be very wrong, but with this, it's kind of neat to see. Uh, most of the time, when you see that the shark has ended up on a highway or anything like that, now there have been a couple times where sharks have washed up after hurricanes and things like that due to flooding and then they got a little too inland, but usually they're not going down I-95 or anything like that that you'll see like after Hurricane Sandy because of course the area in which people edit these photos, they don't realize that the area they've chosen would be pretty much impossible for a shark to get to unless a sharknado happened, which once again I will very much adamantly stand by is impossible. And anyone that knows me knows that I do not like any shark movies that make the shark to be the bad guy or some weird wild thing like that. So I myself have not watched Sharknado, nor do I want to. And it's funny because I have a coworker that always yells at me and tells me I need to, but I simply refuse at this point. But from there, it's going to be a really, really improbable thing, um, especially if that was even possible to happen. You don't really ever see anything picking animals up out of the water and throwing them so far inland that anything like that would happen. So it's kind of just wild in that regard. But the other uh, story that I have for this week is that there are white sharks that are gaining protection in California. Uh, so this one I got from Ed Hat in Santa Barbara. And this is just simply that uh, Governor Newsom uh, signed a bill in, uh, or signed, signed Bill 2109 that would decrease the amount of activities that could promote encounters with white sharks and humans. That would decrease the bites as well. Now, of course, easiest way to avoid being bitten, as I was talking about last week uh, with the one story of the shark being in clear water and also with being safe in... <clears throat> I keep saying last week. It was actually two weeks ago, but whatever. Last episode. But with this, uh, and being safe when you're on a beach with sharks, is to just simply make sure that you're keeping safe, you're being alert, and that your safest bet's going to be to be on the beach rather than in the water. But with that, I mean, of course, no one's going to go to the beach and then simply want to stay out of the water the entire time. You usually want to go and at least cool yourself off a little bit. And it's just a really nice place to be, too. So people typically like to go in the water a little bit. And there's also people that, like me, I love spending most of my time when I'm at the beach in the actual ocean or in the Gulf or anything like that. So I don't really want to just sit on the beach the whole time. Now, is it nice to do sometimes? Absolutely. I still want to get in that water. Does that mean I might, I'm going to get bit? Uh, probably not. There's a chance, but it, I don't think so because usually I, I'm, I'm not out there trying to find ways to get bitten by a shark. And also I'm usually trying to stay alert and making sure that nothing's going to be around me. So things like that. But with this, making sure that we are decreasing the amount of activities in California, it's going to make sure that sharks don't have a chance to get too close to you 
So this also includes fishing practices. So as I mentioned earlier, there are some areas where even baiting or using uh, chum or anything like that to attract a white shark uh, is going to be now fined and possibly punished even further. Uh, so anything that can cause a shark to be caught unethically and that can lead to their death is going to be a problem as well. So anything that could cause a human to be bit. So of course one of the biggest problems is, uh, I remember I saw a story, I cannot remember from where or when I heard this, it was years and years ago, but there was a surfer who was just out there trying to surf, have a good time, and I think I heard this maybe on Shark Week again. This is a very Shark Week heavy episode, but that's okay. But a very, uh, this surfer's out here trying to have a good time and just relax after having a long day, a long week, and as he's going out to take a couple waves, all of a sudden he notices that there's this weird thing going on in the water. And he looks out and there's a boat that's probably about not even 100 yards away from him that's actively chumming the water real close to where everyone's sw like swimming and uh, surfing and everything like that. So of course, I, someone's going to get bit. Like that is just the, probably one of the dumbest things I could think of. Like that's another thing I want to mention going back to the safety, uh, not only your own safety, but making sure you're being safe with others. Uh, don't chum the waters next to the family that's currently just enjoying their beach day like that's not very smart because uh, I mean even in the case of uh, like what the smallest shark that we have up off the coast of Maryland that I know of would be the spiny dogfish very small shark I think it only gets to be around two maybe three feet long so it's not very big but that thing can still take a chunk out of you and send you to the hospital so doing anything like that would not be very smart in my opinion and I don't think it's a very good idea in the slightest but with this, uh, the fishers can't use bait, they can't use lures, uh, chum the water, anything to attract a shark, a white shark that would come in to either bite uh, to try to get whatever that is. And they also are not allowed to put a fish on a hook and then throw it out there. And if it's big enough, that it would be the common bait of white sharks. So it kind of gets a little bit gray there because, of course, a fishing tactic is to use live bait and just let it do its thing until the larger fish comes around and gets it. So making sure that you're in an area that would not commonly have white sharks or be in an area that also would warrant having, uh, I guess, the right bait to use for the right fish. So that way you're not going to end up accidentally catching a shark or anything like that. But... Those are the things that I had for this week. This one's a little bit shorter than the last ones that we had. I do think I'm going to go and look a little bit more into this, so that way I can come back a little bit later. We'll probably do an, a part two of uh, the Hammerhead and kind of go a little bit more in depth with them because there was just so much information. It was really hard to organize, and also everything in my life's been a little bit crazy recently, so trying to make sure that I keep up with that. So I'm going to come back next week. Uh, I'm actually doing one of my favorite sharks that was requested, so I'm really, really excited for that one. I'm hoping to get that one out. I'm aiming for Sunday nights uh, to then come out Monday morning, but of course, as things come together, sometimes that doesn't work out, so I really appreciate everyone bearing with me, and I hopefully will see you on the next one. But once again, follow Deep Dives with Sharks on Instagram for more updates. I'll try to keep everything up to date on there, and of course, send any questions, any uh, comments, any concerns, uh, if you just want to say hi or if you have any requests or anything like that, definitely feel free to do that as well. But you all take care and I will talk to you soon.